Welcome back to the Get Cute Podcast. Thank you to everyone that left a review last week. Just a small reminder for everyone listening. It really, really helps me if you do leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, It helps me go up the charts and it helps more people find my podcast. It's all part of a huge algorithm that someone probably at Apple knows way better than I do. But I don't work at Apple, so I can't really tell y'all what that is. So... I suppose I'll go ahead and do my disclaimer before I jump into the episode. Disclaimer is I'm going to cuss a lot in this podcast. I am very blunt with how I feel. If you feel as though that somehow takes away from the content, uh, feel free to stop, uh, delete this podcast, delete my RSS feed, whatever makes you feel better. But uh, from going forward, I, I really don't need any emails or tweets about it, okay? Okay, (laughs) so this episode is going to be kind of weird. As you can probably guess from the title, I am going to be talking about how to become a senior software engineer. Now, if you have been listening to me uh, for, oh my gosh, it's almost a year and a half that I've been doing this podcast, you would know that I had a job, no longer had a job, but recently this week, I can confirm that I now have a job as a senior software engineer at a pretty big company as well. And that tweet uh, (laughs) that I tweeted saying that I, I have a senior software engineer position at PayPal now got a lot of likes. I'm not really used to that because up until maybe this year, my tweets got at the most 20 likes, and that made me really excited. Once your tweets start hitting, you know, thousands of likes, I believe my uh, tweet about where I'm working uh, hit like 5,000 or some likes, sometimes it becomes a little much. And when things like that spread around, people are obviously curious about the process and how I got there. Now, I will say that as a black woman in tech, I have always wanted to be um, someone that other black women and other women of color could look up to to see that it, it can be done. That's not to say that there has not been a lot of obstacles in my way, and it wouldn't be completely transparent or honest of me to not go over my full journey to becoming a senior software engineer. And I feel as though I need to share that with you because, you know, um, seeing somebody say that they got a job at a, at a company as a senior software engineer is a huge thing. It, it is a huge accomplishment. I'm trying to uh, recognize that. Um, <laughs> my friend Dame is always on me about recognizing like what I do is actually great. I have achieved greatness in my career at the very least. However, that hasn't come at the cost of sacrifices. And um, I feel as though that that is something that we need to focus on because social media can very much make you feel like or make other people think that you had it easy. And that's not the case. And I just need to let y'all know everything from the time I stepped into um, my coding boot camp up until now. 
Are you teaching yourself a new language or framework, or maybe just being stuck inside has you bored? edX can help. edX is a centralized platform that gives you access to over 2,500 plus online courses from 140 leading institutions such as Harvard University, MIT, University of California, Berkeley, and tech powerhouses like Microsoft and IBM. I have personally enrolled in the web programming with Python and JavaScript course from Harvard because it's always great to refresh your skills when you're not using them in your day-to-day. The best part is that there are other people taking the class with you so you don't have to grind through the courses alone. For Get Cute listeners, edX has given you a discount to use the service and you can choose to use the discount now or later. To take advantage of edX discount, go to edX.org forward slash cute. Again, edX.org forward slash cute. Where does one even begin when talking about themselves? It's really odd, and I still don't understand why people want to know, but I am a content creator, so I'm giving the people what they want. So I decided to start this off with just giving you all a very full scope of my trajectory throughout tech and what my career looks like, and then I will get into the questions that I received on Twitter in DMs and in responses um, to try to help y'all out as best as possible. So, yeah, this is very weird for me, y'all. Um, <laughs> so, my career began four years ago. So, it, it has been four total years that I've been working as a software engineer, where I went from, uh, I suppose, a junior software engineer to a senior software engineer, which is pretty fucking cool got to say that. I have always been mathematically inclined, I would say. I've always been a really curious and um, vivacious reader. And so when I convinced my parents to get me the internet, uh, first of all, shout out to my parents because they realized that I was very socially shut in (laughs) and they realized that I love to read um, and they gave me all of the resources that I could have ever wanted. So I remember this so vividly because it was the moment that literally changed my life forever. So thanks, mommy. Uh, She bought me a computer when I passed the fourth grade with all A's and you know, I had always wanted a computer, obviously been working on computers in school. I loved typing. I liked games. Essentially, at that point, I just wanted to play games. I wanted to play the Oregon Trail and, and things like that. But, of course, it, back then, which was, what, late 90s, AOL was the leading internet service provider, and they would send out the CDs. So we received one in the mail, and immediately I was just like, I need to have the internet. So based off of that, based off all of these things, and I'm really curious, I love reading, I like teaching myself new things, I decided uh, to convince my parents, and I will say that my parents were extremely, um, they were older than other parents, um, so having a nine-year-old when you're in your 60s and 70s is something that... <laughs> most other people um, don't have to deal with, and they weren't very technologically inclined, Um my parents loved TV, they loved like um, DVDs, VHSs, but those were the type of things, those choices they usually came to me or my sister about anyway. So I 
will say that my parents didn't fully understand what they were giving me when they were giving me access to the internet, but they did. And so from there, I was on, went on AOL and my life completely changed. So there was this situation, if you knew, you know, where AOL had profiles. And in order to make the profiles look a certain way, you had to use CSS. Later on, they upgraded the UI to where you don't have to know HTML or CSS in order to get things a certain way. But the damage had already been done. So um, at the age of nine, I did teach myself HTML and CSS, even a little bit of JavaScript, because um, a lot of the teens that I met online were also making websites on like XPage and um, Angel Cities, things of that nature. So I did come into this knowing HTML, CSS, and a little bit of JavaScript. And by a little bit of JavaScript, I mean JavaScript that would make snowflakes fall down on my page, nothing like how we're using JavaScript today. That that didn't that didn't exist for me then. And uh, honestly, I probably would have stopped because I remember when I had my own web domain, I tried to teach myself PHP and I was just like, I can't be bothered. This is too complicated. It's not really that complicated, but for like when you're 12 and you have your own web domain, it, it's too much. Anyway, I'm rambling. So I did come into this to my boot camp knowing that. Um, before in other episodes, I did not want to mention the boot camp's name, but then again, for full transparency, I am going to name them. This is not me endorsing them currently. Honestly, I don't, I hardly know anybody um, with this boot camp anymore. Um, a lot of them, I, uh, especially the director of teaching that was there, was is actually still a very, very good friend of mine and my mentor. So take that with a grain of salt. Do your own research. I am not involved with the boot camp anymore. I don't go back for um, tech interviews or anything of that sort. And that was a personal decision on my part to kind of uh, separate myself from them. So I went to Zip Code Wilmington, which is based in Wilmington, Delaware. That is where I went for um, a 12-week Java and JavaScript course. So I was the second class when this boot camp opened. Um, my friend Kelsey, my best friend, like a sister to me, Kelsey, she was in the first class and pretty much pushed me to go. Essentially, before that, I was a college dropout. I went to fashion school at the now defunct Art Institute of Philadelphia and Philadelphia, PA. Shout out to Philly. And I was working almost three years as a receptionist slash office manager at a company um, in Delaware where I wasn't being truly valued. I was underpaid. It was really stressful. I kept trying to move up in the company. And essentially, I knew that it had ended because I was just way too good at my job as a receptionist slash office manager. So they wanted to keep me in that role. Cool. So... I will say that this boot camp was very intense. I did not have a job for those 12 weeks. That was something that I made this, this the decision to do. Initially, the plan was to move to Wilmington, get like a part-time job at Starbucks to support myself while I was there. But I quickly realized that uh, for somebody that was literally poor, I got into the program for free because I made less than $23,000 the last year. So needless to say, I 
<laughs> I couldn't pay anything. Um, so yeah, the $1,000, uh, like placeholder fee was waived for me because of that. And also at the end of it, I didn't owe any money because I ended up taking a job through an employer that sponsored the boot camp. So needless to say, those 12 weeks were really rough. I am not going to say I'm some savant with Java or JavaScript because I am not. It took me a really long time for it to click. I would say probably six to seven weeks in, something finally just hit and the rest is history. So the way this boot camp was set up is that there were sponsors of the boot camp and then those employers would come in and give like their little speeches or whatever, like every week or so. And you spent the majority of the time coding, but then there's also soft skills that you needed to be learned, which I really appreciate the boot camp for doing and providing us opportunities to talk to all of these companies and get our names out there as far as being um, software engineers that are ready to be hired. So. Needless to say, after the 12 weeks, I did have a job offer with J.P. Morgan Chase, and I was hired as a Java software engineer and worked on their mortgage platform. I was there for about 16 to 17 months because I just felt like I needed to change, and then I proceeded to go to uh, a digital agency within Philadelphia. I don't want to name them because I absolutely did not leave on good terms with this company. I was only there for seven months, but I will say that the position that they put me in was really good as far as technological growth. Mentally, it was fucking terrible and terrible, but I will say that I learned a lot. So while I was there, I was meant to be hired as a full stack engineer. I believe that was what my role was still there, but um, I kind of got debated into being a DevOps person, which is a lot considering that I came from strictly back end and then we had our own um, separate DevOps team. So I never had to worry about the deployment of my code when I was at JPMorgan Chase. But here in this company, I had to worry about uh, everybody's deployments and code, <laughs> which it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about uh, managing pipelines, uh, Jenkins, all of that sort of thing, Docker, um, containerization things that I probably would not have looked into um, beforehand just because at J.P. Morgan Chase that wasn't something that I needed to know. And so I was there for six or seven months and I was pretty much trying to run away from that <laughs> company. Luckily, um, I did interview with Capital One and they did end up giving me an offer. So I was actually commuting to Philadelphia from Delaware for this job. And luckily, Capital One also has a location in Delaware, so that made it a lot easier for me to go to. Now, I spent mm, almost two years, like maybe a month shy of two years at Capital One. And there at Capital One, I was a senior associate software engineer, which is just really internal lingo. I believe the work that I was doing there was very much on a greater scale would be a senior software engineer level when you're looking at the levels between fang companies or any other company really and uh yeah i was a full stack engineer i did javascript angular js um i also did java middleware um didn't really touch any database stuff because that was mainly taken over by one person that knew the database better than anyone else on the team 
which you can obviously see can create some bottlenecks and things of that nature. And then also um, the pipeline management, which was actually really fun. Um, that was one of the things that I enjoyed the most. If you read my Medium post about my time there, I say that there and I say that again, that that was really fun because when you're the expert on the subject matter, you don't have anybody micromanaging you. Well, even though the manager tried, but it's really hard to try to do those things when you don't know how to do them yourself. So, and that leads us to this week where I announced that I am now a senior software engineer at PayPal. And, you know, talking about this now and just giving a full overview of everything that happened. I, I've left out a lot of things where uh, where it was really tough for me um, emotionally. Um, not learning new technologies. I This isn't to... It, how do I say this without sounding like a jerk? Learning things is not hard for me. I'm very fortunate and I recognize the privilege that learning new things is not a hard thing for me to do. So as far as learning new frameworks or languages or things like, these are the things that excite me. These are the things that I like doing. I like learning. And, but I realize even as I'm thinking back to what I just said, I, I don't go into the sleepless nights, staying up until like 6 to 7 a.m. or no sleep at all, just to be able to get projects done in my coding boot camp. The nights of where I was over books of algorithms because I was afraid that people weren't going to think that I'm a good software engineer because I came from a coding, a boot, a coding boot camp. I can't speak today. The fact that I came from a coding boot camp and that they were going to look at me weird for that. Um, you know, there were all of these things that I had to fight, personal issues that I still have to fight with, honestly. Um, but I do think that I've gotten to the point in my career where me not having a degree in computer science and the fact that, you know, I came from a coding, coding boot camp doesn't matter anymore. Um, because I, I've, in all intents and purposes, made it. I, I've made it. I've made it to where I wanted to be. And this was my five-year plan. Looking back on all of this, this is, honestly, I just remember this, that this was my five-year plan was to be a senior software engineer. And I made it in four. And that's really fucking incredible. And I need to give myself more credit for that. <laughs> but with that said, there's no... There was no easy way for me to get here. And hopefully, with the pointers that I'm going to give you, you'll understand that there's really no fast way to get to where you want to go. The road is going to be pretty fucking windy and hard unless you are in a position of an immense privilege where you can shoot straight to the top. But from what I found, it just doesn't work that way in tech. Even if you have all of the connections, it just doesn't. Today's episode has also been brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. I've been using it to reread A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. R. Martin, and I'm so glad that I have the audiobook to get through this time. Audible is giving Get Cute listeners a free 30-day trial and free audiobook. Yes, free. Just visit audibletrial.com forward slash get cute. Again, 
Visit audibletrial.com forward slash get cute today for your free 30-day Audible trial and free book. Now let's get back to the episode. On to the question portion of this episode. I was beyond shocked that I even got questions about this, but then again, I'm not sure why I was shocked considering I literally create a podcast pretty much answering these type of questions. So hello, Jocelyn. Okay, so one of the first questions that I got among the congratulations for my new position, which again, thank you y'all so much. That's really, really nice of you. This person asks, I'm wondering what are the requirements for this kind of position to work at big companies? So I never thought about it in the way that I was working at big companies until people pointed out. I suppose, yes, working at places like JP Morgan and PayPal is um, is a big deal. Um, I always talk about Fang companies, but then I realize I'm I'm a few tiers below Fang, which is still it's still a these are still big companies um, that do very great, amazing work, especially in the financial sector. So. As far as getting work at big companies, I will say that it's all about networking and resources. As I said before, um, through Zip Code Wilmington, that is how I got my first job at J.P. Morgan Chase. Would I have gotten a job at J.P. Morgan Chase without having that connection through the boot camp? No. Um, just point blank, period. There's no other way. So every job that I've had after that has been through networking opportunities. And where do I get most of my networking opportunities? Through friends. I've gotten them from other software engineers on Twitter. Actually, I found out about the job at PayPal through Twitter. And that's how that conversation started. And that's how I started gearing up um, to interview for that position. So I will say that is a huge part of it. Obviously, um, another large part could also be just being on LinkedIn. I know that I have gotten um, opportunities to interview at Apple, at Google, at Netflix, at all of these very large, prestigious FANG companies just from LinkedIn. I also think that the years of experience have some correlation to it because now I am starting to get... um, get recruiters from these companies once I hit around the four-year mark. And I believe that's because they're looking for more senior um, developers and not junior developers, which is a problem all within itself. But that is an episode for another time. So I think it's really important that you understand that networking is a large part of being able to even interview for these large companies. Now, as far as the requirements for the position goes, when i started interviewing for senior positions was probably two years ago and i started by basically googling what interview questions they ask for senior java engineers because i knew i still wanted to work in java because java is the language that i i really love and i just went down the list and if i didn't know something if i didn't know a technology on the list which normally they ask you questions about spring and spring boot and if you're a java engineer you know you know about spring and spring boot <laughs> you can't get around that okay so i would teach myself that or i would just study that or i'd spin up small spring boot projects and things of that nature if i wasn't doing enough work like that 
um, in my current job, things like that. So um, I've always been very ambitious and mind forward about that. I'm also really thankful to have another friend. Um, I won't mention his name because it gets really weird when I mention his name on public spaces. But we keep ourselves in check as far as um, what to do. And he was always the person that would uh, send me senior positions. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't know anything about that. And he'd have to be like, I don't either. And there are other people that have no idea what the hell anything on this rec are, but they are applying for it. And um, I'm very thankful that I have people in my life that keep me in check about my expectations and the world's expectations, that my expectations are usually very, very, very high. And in reality, other expectations aren't. Um, So I would definitely say just whatever language you're um, aiming to work in, um, I would Google questions about that language and start there. And then also know that as a senior software engineer, it's less about um, like language specific things, and it's more so about understanding the architecture um, of applications. And if you were tasked with having to start a brand new application, you understanding and knowing how to build that application and what would be advantageous for that application, depending on the data that you're moving or um, where it's going to be stored, and if it's or if you're connecting to some huge monolithic API or things of that nature. So um, it's really important to understand that and um, definitely look into system designs and API designs. If you have not listened to my previous episode about that, that is a very good place to start. And I give you all a lot of resources about that. Yeah, (laughs) that was a very long answer for that, but I feel as though that's um, something here. So also another question, this person asked, <laughs> how did I even get started? Uh, I, I feel like I already covered that. Y'all, I, 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 I covered that. It's not very interesting, I'm sorry, but that's, that's how I got started, sorry. Oh, here's a good one. Okay, this person tweeted at me and asked me if I have any advice for junior developers and at the time I responded with not really just what I've already been talking about in my podcast episodes which was factual but there's also some other information that I can give junior developers Um, I'm assuming this is coming from a place where somebody is already in a junior developer role and doesn't need to land a junior developer role because I do understand and realize how hard it is for companies to hire junior developers Although that it doesn't make a lot of sense to me as to why companies aren't hiring junior developers and letting them grow with the company. You would think that would be a very good way to retain people at your company instead of having them hop every two to three years chasing RSUs. Again, besides the point. Uh, My advice for junior developers is to not compare yourself to other people. As I said, I became a senior software engineer in four years, which I think is kind of fucking fast. And I'm really proud of that, but don't compare yourself to me. This is in no way normal. I honestly believe that my hard work and my the connections that I have honestly put me in the position and obviously studying and knowing things well enough to actually interview and be hired at, at this position. Um, 
has put me here. And junior developers, please realize that there is no rush for you to be a senior software engineer. I realize that people want the money, which duh, we all want the money. Let's let's be fucking real here. But honestly, take your time and learn your language, learn your frameworks, learn about the systems that you're working on. Don't worry too much about chasing the money because you realize the higher that you get up, you realize that everything can be learned on the job. They expect you to learn on the job. They also expect you to learn in your off time, which is fine. There is no right or wrong way to be a software engineer. And I think that's something that really, really needs to be driven home. A lot of people, and I reference uh, Reddit CS career questions a lot, and there is no right or wrong way to be a software engineer at all. Uh, There's not a specific school that you need to go to. There's not a specific set of courses that you need. There's not a fucking... uh, particular tutorial that you need to do there's not a particular book that you have to read becoming a good software engineer means that you a like coding i know people have been talking a lot on twitter about having passion or some bullshit like that but that's not needed you at the bare minimum you just need to like to code and you need to realize that you're going to be either coding or being around code or people that are talking about code or technical specs for at least 40 hours a week. And if you can handle that, if you can do that, and if you can see yourself doing that for the rest of your career, then you'll be fine. Um, And I think that a lot of issues arise when people stop liking coding. I mean, that's feasible. I mean, what a career spans of what, like, 30, 40 years if you're lucky enough to actually retire. But who knows in this economy the way things are going. Um, So just take it really easy. Um, Find mentors within your company or even online. Um, But please be aware that some people may not have the capacity to have mentees and all of that great stuff. Um, I know people have asked me and I... I just have not had the time, and that's on me, I suppose. Um, Yeah, I feel like I'm rambling again. But please, junior software developers, just, it's fine. Take it easy. Just take this time to learn and find mentors and to network. I can't say how important it is to network. Um, And also just be really true to yourself. I remember when I was first starting out, um, I got a lot of advice to kind of hinder who I am, Um, being like unapologetically black. And at some point I just said, fuck it. I can't pretend that I'm not a black woman because that's what I am, especially within the political climate that we're in. It's pretty much near impossible to do that. So I feel like being unapologetically black has gotten me to where I am. And I'm really grateful for that and so you as a person no matter what race you are or however you identify you can also be unapologetically you and people respond to that people see that and um they want to network with that they want to be friends with you they 
people that see you and they understand what you're going through and want to see you succeed, they will help you along the way. And I feel like um, that's really fucking important. Today's episode is also brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co. Grinding Coffee Co. is a black LGBTQ plus affiliated and owned coffee business that is aimed at providing coffee to gamers and podcast owners like me. They have a great selection of flavors and also have variety packs in case you can't figure out what beans to choose. Visit grindingcoffee.co or click on the affiliate link in the show notes to use the code GETCUTE to receive a percentage off your order. Put your money in coffee where your mouth is. Support black LGBTQ plus affiliated and own Grinding Coffee Co. Now back to the show. This next question is kind of interesting. Um, and the majority of the questions were about this so I figured that I would just save this toward the end so the question is is there anything that you can tell me about the interview process the short answer is no there's nothing that I can tell you about the interview process that I have had for my current position or a lot of other positions actually because they do make you sign NDAs which are just a non-disclosure agreement which essentially means that you're not going to tell anybody about the questions you were asked or anything like that um, I will say that if you um, read Cracking the Coding interview or you Google anything about um, what software engineers or are supposed to know, then it's very similar to that. Uh, it's a very standard senior software engineer interview. So what this means for you, luckily you don't have to Google because I'm going to tell you. So essentially what senior software engineers are meant to know and i mentioned it before is a lot of system design work a lot of api design work and also um, just knowing how to code there will be companies that ask you algorithm questions that's just something that we can't get behind Um, but i think it's really important on knowing system design and api design and also knowing how to communicate those things i think that there is still this notion that software engineers don't need to know how to talk to people that aren't necessarily inherently technical about what's going on but as i've been working more and more you will find that a lot of your job is talking about technical specifications to people that aren't necessarily technically wise so knowing how to talk about something that's really technically heavy on the software engineer side to somebody that's in business and being able to translate that to something that isn't full of jargon is actually really, really important. Um, Another very key point about this communication is just knowing how to talk about your ideas and get them across in a clear and precise way. The higher that you get up on your career ladder within software engineering the more you need to know how to communicate and how to communicate well and that is for if you stay an individual contributor or if you decide to go into the management side of things they're both equally important and that's something that you really need to focus on so i'm not sure if that's the answer that you were looking for (laughs) for this question i know a lot of people want to know the very uh, specifics, but I mean, you can go on Glassdoor, you can go on the app Blind. Um, Nobody is really talking about what specific questions or anything that they've had in any of the interview with any of those companies. It's solely about um, just the overall process. And if you look through any of these things or listen to what I just said, it is very similar through pretty much 
all of the companies that I've interviewed with in the past like four to five months. I promise it's exactly like that. So we have hit the end of my unedited podcast episode. I'm, I don't think I'm going to edit this one because I, I really didn't have a script for this. I just spoke directly from the heart and my experiences and hopefully y'all understand that the road to being a senior software engineer is not straight and narrow. It is not a carbon copy that you can follow. Honestly, I hope nobody has to follow my path (laughs) because as I said, I've gone through some really fucked up shit and I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. And this is why I create this podcast so I can let people know not to do what I do and not to work at certain companies or not to put up with this or that on their job. So just to know the path to being a software engineer is very it can be as easy as hard as you make it depending on the other decisions that you've made earlier in your career and that's very odd (laughs) for me to say and may not be giving you any advice whatsoever but hey it is what it is um of course if you have liked this episode please feel free to leave me a five-star review on apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening like i said before in the beginning of the podcast it really helps me out as far as algorithms and allowing companies to continue to want to pay me to put ads on my podcast because y'all are listening to it so that's great if you have any questions comments and concerns feel free to email me at the get cute podcast at gmail.com or you can follow the podcast on twitter as well at the get cute podcast and if you feel like you can also follow me on my personal Twitter, which is at so-and-so's. I'm starting to tweet a lot more podcast-related things from my personal Twitter because it just has uh, the followers now. I'm starting to get nowhere near as large as some other people, but I'm starting to get a lot of people following me and responding and things there, so that's really fun. Um, Also, keep in the lookout for messages on the GetQ's podcast Twitter and also on my personal Twitter because I will have a giveaway coming along very very soon the giveaway does include some books and things and um, it's also going to involve y'all leaving reviews so that'll probably be tweeted um, the same day that this episode goes up which is tomorrow which is Monday or um, before then but yeah I, I really want to do that oh also another great thing I'm also starting to design and get samples in for other get cute podcast merch including stickers pins um, I'm thinking iron-on patches and maybe a t-shirt design might be happening we don't know you know I've always wanted to be a, a fashion designer so now it's my chance to draw and make it cute and edgy or something. It may just have the logo. We don't know yet. Depends on how I feel. (laughs) Okay, enough rambling. Thank you all so much. I really, really appreciate all of you, and I hope that this episode really helps you out, and I will see y'all next time. Bye!